chapter 6 and put your mar- uh, marker, uh, your ribbon, something in Genesis chapter 6. Uh, we're starting in Hebrews 12, but we're going to be eventually in Genesis chapter 6. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 12, Paul challenges us with a word picture of faith. Uh, Tonight's message um, has some overlap uh, with this morning's message. Some of the verses are going to be the same. Um, um, But in in the mornings, we're, we're going to be studying the life of Daniel and his faithfulness. Uh, in his life to God through difficulties and circumstances that um, God put him through. Uh, and in the evening, we're, tonight we're starting a new series, that, a series that I'm calling The Pathway of Faith. So we're going to be looking at Daniel on Sunday mornings, and on Sunday night, we're, we're I this idea of pathway of faith. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about our faith, and, and, but we're going to be looking at it from the avenue of different journeys of faith that we see in the Bible. Um, so it's, it's it, Sunday morning, Sunday night, very similar uh, with trying to cont- stay, stay with this theme of continue. But we're going to be approaching the faith, our, our faith and the, the strength of our faith from two different directions. One in the morning is focusing on the life of Daniel. The other is different events throughout Scripture that we can, we can draw uh, our faith from and, and, and hopefully strengthen our faith and, and all that. <clears throat> One of the mistakes that I have made uh, when it comes to uh, a, a popular phrase in, in Christian culture today is our journey of faith, right? Have you all heard that? The journey of faith. And I, I have made a major mistake with that phrase because what does journey mean? Huh? Travel? Okay. I know Jennifer and her family like to go out into the desert, um, um, and I, I love to I love to go out into the desert. And <clears throat> there are two ways that I spend time in the desert. One is I have a a book. It's called the Backroads Map of Nevada. It's a big it's a big book, and your husband has one because I asked him. Um, <clears throat> but I will oftentimes open that up and I'll find I'll find something on the map and say, oh, that looks really cool. I'm going to go find it. And, and I will be on a mission to find whatever it is. A, uh, a Pony Express way station I found out in the desert one time. Uh, uh, a hot springs, uh, part of the Pony Express trail. Uh, just, just different things. And so there are times that I go out to the, to the desert on a mission. I, I have a goal in mind, and I, I have tunnel vision because that I'm looking for something. 
Then the other way I go out into the desert is I go out and wander. You ever do that? I, I, I love to just get on a dirt road and go. And then get down the road and, and then all of a sudden there's a road that shoots over this direction. And, and then you go, huh, I wonder what's down there. And off you go. <laughs> you know, and so so because of that, I I I personally have when it comes to the journey of faith, I have oftentimes approached, and I think many other Christians do this too. We approach this journey of faith much like my wandering in the de- in the desert. We just kind of take it as it comes, as as so to speak, and we we wander wander through our journey of faith, and and as it comes to us, we we kind of we kind of just go with the flow, so to speak. Going through life, picking and choosing what we want to do and what we don't want to do. But that's not how faith works. And that's why I, instead of calling, the, 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 the series that we're, we're, we're doing is called the, the Pathway of Faith. And I purposely chose that word because there is determination in the word pathway. There is a very specific goal, if you would. I have a picture for you. Uh, I came across this picture. <clears throat> That's what I feel like sometimes when I'm out in the desert. I'm, I just, I'll, I'll stop my truck and I'll just get out and I'll just look and think, okay, where do I want to go? But this pathway, I picked this picture for, on, for a reason, and that is that this pathway has a specific purpose and goal. The pathway is predetermined. Okay? Somebody went before this guy and graded and paved this pathway. It's predetermined. There is a goal at the end of this pathway, right? I mean, we don't don't know what that goal is, but... There, there has to be something at the end of this pathway or why would there be a pathway? So there is a goal at the end. In Hebrews chapter 12, we read it this morning. I want to read it again tonight because I think this is important. It says, <clears throat> Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that is set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand 
of the throne of God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you again for this this time together. And Lord, thank you for your word. And Lord, help us, if you would, this evening, to put away all the busyness of life and just spend some time focusing on you this, this evening. We are so grateful and thankful. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The phrase, and I, I broke it down a little bit more specifically this, this morning, but it says, let us run with, race, with patience the race that is set before us. The race is a predetermined path. I remember when I was nine, I think I was nine, nine-ish, growing up down in Southern California, L.A. County, we had, we had a park that was near our house, and one time I was at the park, and there were a bunch of people gathered over on, at the one end of the park, and so I just kind of wandered over there, and, you know, and, and I knew the, the director of the park, and I said, hey, what's going on here? He says, hey, yeah, we're getting ready to have a cross-country race. You want to run? I didn't have anything better to do. So I said, sure, what do I have to do? And he said, he said, <clears throat> Let, let's come over here and get you registered. So, you know, I got my name and everything. And, and, and he put me with a, a group of guys determined by age. You know, like, you know, like I said, I think it was nine. So it was probably like 10 to, or um, uh, eight to 10 or something like that. Anyway, he said, you, you just stand here. He said, <clears throat> when it's your turn to run, he said, he said, you see this board right here? And he said, um, and there were like four or five different colors on the board for the routes. And the older kids had to run further than the younger ones and so on and so forth. And he said, your, your color is whatever. And he said, and this is the route that you're going to take. He said, but, he said, <clears throat> when it comes time to run, all you really have to do is follow that golf cart. Because the, the guy driving the golf cart knew each route that each age group was supposed to run, so he would take the appropriate turns and so on and so forth. Okay, sounds like a winner. So <clears throat> the race started, and I took off, and I followed that guy in the golf cart. I didn't know where I was going. All I knew is this, there was a predetermined route that I had to follow. And all I had to do was keep my eyes on the guy in the golf cart. You get the point? My fear was that if I fell back too far, I would lose sight of the guy in the golf cart. So I kept... I just ran like a like a demon trying to make sure I didn't lose that guy in the golf cart. Anyway, long story short, I ended up coming in seventh and moving to the next race. And then, anyway, long story short, L.A. County that year, I came in 13th over in my age group over the all, all of L.A. County. No, it took several weeks to get there. <clears throat> but, you know, I, yeah, I got home and I had a ribbon or something. And my mom's like, what's up for you? <laughs> I was at the park and you know <laughs> but anyway 
my, my point is this. There was a predetermined course that I had to run. But the reality was all I had to do was keep my eyes on the guy in the golf cart. So often, so often in our course, our pathway, our journey of faith, we tend to wander through and we and, and and I I say we I should be saying I there have been many times that I have failed to realize that God has a plan for my life and the race that he has put before me is a predetermined course that he wants me to run and all I need to do is keep my eyes on the in the with the guy that's driving the golf cart I have another picture for you. Ta-da! Okay, different guy, same idea. What happens with pathways? Okay, we we end up with intersections, do we not? Every every path I've ever been on, especially if you go out here in the desert, um, you you I you can be driving along, and then out in the middle of nowhere, you come across something like this. And I have, I have literally stopped, gotten out of my truck, and stood just, I, not in a suit, but I've stood there thinking, okay, which way should I go? Do I want to go this way, or do I want to go this way? What are you laughing at, Rick? <laughs> you know, you just stand there, and you're like, okay, what, which, which way do we go? And there are there are, and and I do I will I'll pull out my map I have a little app on my phone that I'll pull up and see okay where's this road go and so on and so forth, <clears throat> but my my point is this. Oftentimes, as we approach these intersections of faith in our lives, these are the the things that oftentimes will cause us to go off trail, make wrong choices, make right choices. My hope in this series of Pathway of Faith, we will learn to follow the pathway that God has for us. Because the reality is this. I, I cannot tell you what, what my pathway is. I don't know. I can just be faithful to what God gives me as I go along. I can't tell you where your pathway is going to wind up. I can't do that. Only God knows. But understanding that He knows and that we can trust Him through the, the journey of faith, so to speak, is huge. Getting us from point A to point B with a lot of stops in between. In 1969, in past Christian Mississippi, 
You been there? Okay. A group of people were preparing for a hurricane party in the face of Hurricane Camille. They ignored the dangers. They could have been overconfident. I've lived through hurricanes, so I know some of the the, the emotions and the th- the thinking. I uh, it's easy to do. Um, did these partiers let their egos get the better of them? I can say this, having lived through a hurricane, sober, the people who partied all night regretted it in the morning. Not because of the hangover, but because of the trees that were all over their houses. What we do know is that the wind <clears throat> was howling outside their posh apartment when the police chief, Jerry Peretta, pulled up sometime after dark, facing the beach less than 250 feet from the surf. The apartment was directly in line of the storm. A man with a drink in his hand came out on, from a second-story balcony and waved. And the police chief yelled up and said, Y'all need to clear out as, here as quickly as possible, and the, the storm is getting worse. But as others joined the man on the balcony, they, they just laughed at Peretta's order to leave. This is my land, one of the men yelled. If, I want, if, if, if you want me off my property, you will have to arrest me. The chief police didn't arrest anyone, but he was able to persuade them uh, to give them their names and the names of the next of kin for all 20 people who were at the party. They laughed as he took their names. It was 10.15 p.m. when the front wall of the storm came ashore. Scientists clocked Camille's winds to be more than 205 miles per hour. Strongest on record. Raindrops hit with the force of bullets. Waves off the Gulf Coast crested between 22 and 28 feet high. News reports later showed that the storm's danger came at the little settlement of hotels and bars and gambling houses known as Past Christian, Mississippi, where some 20 people were killed at a hurricane party. Nothing was left of the three-story structure but the foundation. And the only survivor was a five-year-old boy found clinging to a mattress the following day. We wonder why people are so foolish to ignore obvious signs of peril. Why did they disregard the warnings that were so evident? 
People in our day are not much different from Noah's days. They are refusing to acknowledge the signs of the coming judgment. Men and women who lived during Noah's time had turned their backs on the Creator. The population was exploding. The hearts of the men were wicked. Yet God designed a pathway of grace for those who would follow Him in obedience. Those people in past Christian Mississippi did not have to die. But yet on their pathway of life, so to speak, they were at an intersection and they chose foolishly. And so often as we come across these intersections of life, do we always make good choices? I've made my share of bad ones, but praise God, I've made my share of good ones too. So, intersection number one, as we, like I said, the series we're working on is called The Pathway of Faith. Intersection number one, I'm calling it The Trail to Mount Ararat. The Trail to Mount Ararat. Turn over to Genesis chapter 6. If you don't know where Genesis is in your Bible, go to Revelation, hang a left. You'll get there eventually. Genesis chapter 6. Let's start reading in verse 5. And God saw the wickedness of men was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. Let's pray. Dear Lord, again, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. And Lord, I, I, once again, I, 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 I ask that you would give me the words to be able to communicate my heart tonight. Help me to be a vessel that you would use. Amen. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, I have really, I don't know if struggle to be the right word, but there is so much that I want to communicate in this, in this truth that I, I hope that I can, God gives me the ability to communicate it all. And we're going to be talking about this trail to Mount Ararat for probably two weeks, maybe three. Um, so we're not going to finish it tonight. We'll finish, you know, we'll get into it next week as well. But I want to start out with the first point is this, the reason. What was the reason for the, the, the trail to Mount Ararat? Between the time of creation and the time of the flood of Noah, or Noah's day, extreme wickedness had taken over the earth. It, it had gotten to the point where Man, it says here, uh, uh, what was it in verse 5, the end of verse 5, it says, um, uh, and, the, and that every imagination, are, uh, and 
uh, excuse me, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Think about that. That, that. that is quite an indictment of mankind. And God was heartbroken over the wickedness of mankind. And the generations that, that had been created in this time frame. He examined the heart of the people and it was wicked. Look at verse 7. <clears throat> and the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it, repented, it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But Noah. One man. But Noah. I love verse 8. I love, I love the fact that God looked down on this earth and He saw the wickedness of man. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He decided to send a flood to, uh, <clears throat> that would uh, save Noah and his family. And anyone else who would get in the boat. The invitation was clear. The invitation was open to everyone. Letter A. The reason was because of a corrupt heart. Verse 5. And God saw the wickedness of men was great in the earth, and every <clears throat> and that every imagination of the thoughts thoughts of what? His heart. The heart of men was corrupt. Satan. Satan had convinced Eve that the fruit on the tree. And now why 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 do we pick apples, by the way? I don't know. Maybe somebody along the way didn't like apples. But we don't know what kind of fruit it was. In fact, I don't think we'll ever know this side of heaven. But Satan comes along and convinces Eve that, hey, you know what? Did God really say that? What did He do? He, he got her to question the Word of God. And so she eventually she she took the she took a bite of the fruit and obviously she liked it or realized what she had done. I don't know what either one of those, but then she convinces Adam to do the same. And sin is is introduced into the world and 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 the, the wickedness of the world starts to permeate. And after the fall, 
the population of the world began to ra- uh, rapidly multiply. And so did the sin of the world, the corruption of the world. Now, I'm not a mathematician by any stretch of the imagination, but I have a friend who is, is very, 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 very smart, a whole lot smarter than me. Um, and he is a, a Bible theologian on top of being super duper smart. And he did the math. He personally did the math. And he told me that at the time of the flood, when, when the flood started, that the population of the earth was greater than it is today. Think about this. I mean, we're talking, how many people? Seven billion? Yeah, just under seven billion. But the population of the earth at the time of the flood was more than that. Now, he could tell you, you know, because he did the math and the generations, because people lived, like, really long. So we're talking billions of people. Can you imagine the wickedness? The imagination of their heart was only evil continually. The, The Hebrew word here for imagination refers to uh, 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 fashioning pottery. Okay? So, so think about this. <clears throat> what this verse is saying is that wickedness had become fashionable. Think, think about this in light of our society today. Noah's people, in Noah's people, they they were truly corrupt from the inside out. The psalmist describes it this way in Psalm chapter 14 and verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Did I not give you that verse, Chris? I'm sorry. In just 10 generations, from Adam to Noah is 10 generations. Okay, again, you've got to understand the generations are a lot longer than they are today, okay? But in just 10 generations, humanity had gotten to the point where it made God sick. To the point where he was... He was unhappy the fact that he even made human beings. That's how corrupt the world had gotten. So what was the reason? The reason, number one, was for because of corrupt hearts. Number two, it's because of corrupt lives. A corrupt heart is going to create what? A corrupt life. That's only reasonable. 
sin had become rampant. In fact, it, 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 it had become acceptable, but it, but it went even further than being acceptable. It became fashionable. We would say today that there would, there would, in that day, there would be no, no limit to the corruption and the sin and the, the, the depravity that was taking place. I don't know about you, but that sounds kind of familiar today. And I know most of you work secular jobs, and what's interesting is when I, even as a pastor, I come across somebody, and and now I, I have it is it is not uncommon for me to go visit someone who has visited the church, and you know go go to their home or whatever, and they walk in and say, "Hey, you want a beer?" And I I always reply, "Oh, I appreciate the offer, but you know what? I I don't drink. You don't drink." And, and 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 I am treated like the oddball. In our society today, the 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 corruption and the 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 the, the things of this world have have so permeated our society that, well, let, let, let's read Second Timothy chapter three and verses one through five. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own self, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, thankful, uh, excuse me, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. There is no doubt that we are living in the end times. During Noah's day, sin went from being hideous to being tolerant, from tolerant to accepted, and eventually becoming fashionable. Sounds like today, doesn't it? Luke chapter 17 and verse 26. And as it was in the in the days of Noah, or Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. History will always repeat itself. Today, believers 
have become accustomed to the sin around us. Have we not? I, I, I remember when <clears throat> um, grocery stores were not open on Sundays. Nothing was open on Sundays. Yeah, yeah, except the church house. That was the only thing open on Sunday. But what happened? We got complacent, right? And all of a sudden, stores started opening, and 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 then and then at least in the southeast, when we were live, when I was living in the southeast, grocery stores were allowed to open, but you couldn't buy any alcohol on Sunday. And they literally would would padlock the doors on the on the on the alcohol thing. And then a few years later, that went away. Now I don't know about you, but I, I was an alcoholic before I got saved, and I, I absolutely detest walking down the aisle of the grocery store with alcohol in it. In fact, Melanie knows that I won't do it. I'll, I'll walk around the store before I go down that aisle. But the reality is, we go, and I say this. We, we, we go into stores, we go into restaurants, we go in, and it's all around us. And it doesn't appall us. And I'm not talking about alcohol, I'm talking about sin. It's all around us. And we've learned to accept it as part of our culture. And Well, I just won't look at it, I just won't do it, and that makes it okay. Things that used to cause us to blush, we accept today. How many of you have ever heard of a euphemism? That's a hard word to say. A euphemism? Am I saying that right? Euphemism? What is a euphemism? Okay, it's a way of saying something that you really don't want to say. Okay, like um, uh, when I was a kid, uh, we, 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 we did not go to church, but my mom and dad were very, very respectful of the things of God. And if, if I were to use the Lord's name in vain, it was, I, I would have been signing my death, my death wish. But I remember one time something happened and I was mad and I went, oh, guy. My mom pounded me. I mean, with a fist. And you say, why? That's a euphemism for what? For God. And I could go on with other words, but... Christians today use words like this all the time and it doesn't bother us. Noah's obedience exposed their disobedience. 
question. As I was as I was gathering this the, these thoughts and writing this this message and everything, this I have a couple of questions here that I uh, that that God asked me, so I get to ask you. First question: What kind of example am I to those around me? What kind of an example am I around? To, the, to those people that are around me? Am I the kind of person that somebody is going to look at and say, you know what? There's something different about that person and I like what's different. Or are, are the people around me going to say, you know what? There's no difference between him and me. Why, why would I want to go to church with him? The second question that I asked myself is this, does my obedience expose other people's disobedience? Kind of the same question, but a little bit different. Let us never grow so familiar with the evil of our day that it becomes acceptable in our lives. My hope and prayer is that that sin should always cause us to to pull back. We should never be okay with the evilness of this world. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Noah's greatest decision, Noah's greatest decision was not to build the ark. Can anybody tell me what Noah's greatest decision was? To listen to God. That was Noah's greatest decision. When he came to that fork in the road and God said, hey, in fact, you want to put that picture back up. I just, as I, as I was looking and thinking about this, I just kind of pictured Noah standing there and God saying, hey, Noah, I want you to build a boat. And he says, a What? A big boat. A big, 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 big boat. Why? Because it's going to rain. It's going to what? <laughs> it hadn't rained up until that time. Noah had no clue what God was talking about. And, and I picture Noah standing in the middle of this saying... What do I do? Noah's decision to follow God was the greatest decision that he made. The rest of it, the rest, building the ark and doing all that, that, that was easy. It was stepping out in faith and saying, okay, God, I will follow the path that you have laid out for me. 
I don't understand it. It makes absolutely no sense to me. But I'll do what you ask me to do. Have you ever been there? Paul Chapel wrote this. He said, Before God can use you greatly, He must prepare you greatly. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Noah was a man who was prepared for what God had in store for him. And you say, how do you know that? Well, I'm glad you asked. How do we know that? There is, we have to assume some things, okay? We have to assume that he had some training along the way. So the, the most logical thing would be, okay, who was Noah's father? Anybody know? Come on. <laughs> okay, Noah's, huh? Nope, starts with an L, Lamech, Lamech. Okay, Noah's dad was a guy named Lamech. So what do we know about Lamech? Okay, right out of the gate, what do we know about him? There's one thing that we absolutely know, and as soon as I say it, you're going to go, well, of course. Huh? I can't hear you. Oh. Oh, he's being sarcastic. Okay. Okay, the very first thing we know about Lamech is, number one, he didn't get on the ark. Okay, and he could have. Okay, but he didn't. Something else we know about Lamech is that he did not, uh, or he had he had a disregard for human life. So how do you know that? Okay, again, I'm glad you asked. Genesis chapter four, verses 23 and 24. And Lamech said to unto his wives uh, uh, Ada and uh, Zillah, "Hear my voice." Ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man uh, to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech, seventy times seven. This is a man who had no respect for human life. So did Noah get his training from Lamech? No. Okay, so the the next question is, who is Noah's grandfather? This is a little easier one, I think. You should know this. Really? Really? Okay, it's Methuselah. Okay, Methuselah was Noah's grandfather. What do we know about Methuselah? Yeah, he lived a long time. He lived 969 years. Okay, what else do we know about him? Okay. 
Yeah, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, the next thing that we know about him is that he died the year of the flood. If you go back and read Genesis and you do the math between, you know, so-and-so was born in this year and, and died in this year and blah, 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 blah. It's really easy to put the numbers together and find out that Methuselah died the year of the flood. Most theologians believe that he died the day of the flood. The, 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 as soon as it, the flood started, he died. <clears throat> what else do we know about Methuselah? <laughs> okay, to be honest, that there there is there is no other real information on Methuselah. Just that he died the year of the flood and that he lived to be a ripe old age of 969 years old, which I am really 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 glad we don't live that long. <clears throat> Can you imagine what your arthritis would be like after 900 years? Nothing is really known. So the assumption that that uh, that I came to is that Methuselah more than likely did nothing for God. Otherwise, we probably would know something. Yeah. And okay. So so that that's my next thing. So who was Noah's great grandfather? Enoch. Okay, what do we know about Enoch? He walked with God. He communed. Not only did he walk with God, and this is, this is important, he communed with God. In Amos chapter 3 and verse 3, it says, Can two walk together except they agree? And God said that he and Enoch walked together. He walked with God. So we can then we can then understand that he also communed with God. I didn't realize this until my research, but he was also a prophet. Did you know that? In Jude chap, uh, chapter 1, uh, there's only one chapter in Jude. Um, in, in Jude 14, it says, and, and Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. He was a prophet. What else do we know about him? God took him. He he his life was a glorious end. Can you imagine walking with God and just up you go? Yeah, and he was only 365 years old. But what is interesting is if you go back and do the math, you will find that Noah was alive during the lifespan of Enoch. So the understanding would be that Enoch taught Noah. Enoch was the one who planted the seeds of faith in the heart of little Noah. The trail to Mount Ararat. Why 
why was there a trail to begin with? Because of the wickedness of men. Their hearts were con- evil continually, which caused them to have corrupt lives. And next week we're going to start looking at the walk, Noah's, Noah's walk of faith that ultimately ends at Mount Ararat. His walk of faith. So let me, let me close with this. Let me close with a challenge that God has challenged me with. Am I willing to go down the path that He has chosen for me? Even today. You know, the reality is this. None of us is promised tomorrow. None of us is. But are you willing to go down the path that God has predetermined the race that God has for you? The path that God has chosen for your life. Are you willing to go down it? Noah was a man who was willing to go. And I believe, and I have no proof of this, but I believe the seeds of his faith were planted in his heart by his great-grandfather. And as a grandfather, I am starting to realize the influence that I have in the hearts and lives of my grandkids. I always thought it would end when my kids turned 18. I wish. (laughs) But the reality is I, I get the privilege of influencing even more. And that's just within the family. That's not counting the people around. But am I willing to go down the path that God has for me? Let me challenge you with the same thought. Are you willing to go down the path that God has for you? I hope you are. Because it is is always an exciting path. Can excitement be trouble? Yeah. God never promises us a bed of roses. But he, He will bless our lives and take us places we would never imagine if we will yet walk with Him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You for this day. Thank You for Your love and for the work You do in our lives. And Lord, as we delve into the the idea of the pathway of faith, and we look at the different things that you will bring into our lives like you did for Noah and Mount Ararat. Lord, you know the struggles that we have in life. And Lord, we need you. And Lord, as we hopefully are all looking to walk that path, help us, dear God, to never lose sight 
of the guy in the golf cart. Help us to run diligently with our eyes fixed on him. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.